Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit capital.com and start your trading journey today. Welcome to Conversations with Lulu. This is episode 20. My name is Lulu Khazan. I'm an entrepreneur living in Dubai. I'm an investor, a mother, and your host. I want to start by saying thank you to everybody who watched episode 19 and all of you who sent words of encouragement and feedback. I really, really appreciate it. So in this episode, I want to build on what we discussed uh, last time, which is uh, NFTs. I have become increasingly interested in the space, in the space of cryptocurrencies, the blockchain, NFTs, and, and that world. And there are two reasons for that. The first reason is purely educational. I feel that there is so much information out there and, and so much to discover and learn about. The other reason is purely due to FOMO, because a lot of my friends are already investing in cryptocurrencies and I kind of feel like I've missed the boat on this one, even though I know that we're still in the early days. But I do want to be part of this one way or the other. And I feel that it's very important for, for me to learn more about the, you know, the basics, how to invest, where to invest, uh, what to invest in and, and all of these things. So, so I'm going to try to tackle some of these questions in this episode and in future episodes as well. One important uh, note here, this podcast should by no means be taken as investment advice. This is purely stating of facts and opinions of experts and people in the know or people who are building something in the space. There's a lot of information out there, so you should definitely do your own research and, and make up your own minds. That's very important. So let's talk a little bit about cryptocurrencies and primarily Bitcoin because it's the, the largest cryptocurrency in terms of value and, and volume. And, uh, you know, it's very difficult for me to talk about all of them because there's thousands of currencies and tokens and it's extremely difficult to track. Bitcoin's bull run started in October of 2020 when the prices started going up. And the fuel for that was obviously the pandemic. A lot of people with money uh, decided to go in on, on crypto. They've likened it to gold uh, and they've decided to invest in this asset. There is, of course, a ton of uh, speculative investment that was happening by people who received some stimulus checks in the U.S. and decided to invest that money and, and make a quick buck. And a lot of people around the world who've been witnessing the this uh, incredible rise in, uh, in prices and uh, decided to uh, go in and, uh, and trade. Uh, so obviously there's a lot of speculation out there uh, and there's a lot of people who are in it for, you know, for the long term and for the, for the right reasons. And Google doesn't lie. An interesting trend that was witnessed on Google is that the, the topic of cryptocurrency has reached its highest level globally, particularly around May 9 to 15, when the Bitcoin prices hit over $50,000. 
everybody wanted to know what the heck is this Bitcoin and, and what's going on. So what happened is that on February 8th, Elon Musk invested, announced that he had invested $1.5 billion into Bitcoin and also announced that Tesla would be accepting payment in Bitcoins uh, for its, uh, its awesome cars. And that drove the prices up as well, even further. So just to give you an idea, before that announcement, the price was around $34,000, the price of Bitcoin. And two months after that announcement, the price of Bitcoin peaked, peaked at just over $63,000. And then what happened? And then there was uh, a crash. And uh, on May 12, Elon Musk tweets that, Bitcoin is bad for the environment, and therefore we're not going to be accepting it as a means of payment to Tesla. There were also some other uh, major announcements in, in China and in the U.S. About, uh, about regulation, about taxation, and that drove the prices uh, down. And currently Bitcoin is around $34,000, essentially wiping out all of the gains that, uh, that were made over the past uh, two months. If we go back to Google, Google Trends, our friend, so the, the, the search term, should I sell my crypto, peaked 400% in the, in the US. So people were panicking and, uh, and selling. But to think of Elon Musk as the driver of the, you know, of the price increases and decreases is, is obviously a very simplistic. There were a lot of other um, factors that took place that sort of helped the prices go up and go down, but he definitely had an impact. So for this episode, I'm very excited to talk to Daniel Ahmed, who is the co-founder of Facet. Facet is a MENA-based crypto exchange, and it is regulated by the Central Bank of Bahrain. Facet is a new startup, but it's been witnessing some tremendous growth, and the co-founders have a lot of ambition and aspiration to become a global player. And uh, what I liked about them is the fact that they were very much focused on sustainability, although it's a little bit ironic given the the environmental impact that all these cryptocurrencies have. But what they wanted to do is to, is to take uh, sustainable projects and make them accessible to all of us through tokenization. And we will learn about this and the conversation. So for Amina perspective on crypto, uh, some advice on the different exchanges that exist here, what to look for, what to look out for. Also for some opinion on what's been happening lately with the prices. I am very excited once again to welcome Daniel Ahmed. Just one thing before I let you go. If you're watching this on YouTube, I've included a table of contents in the description so you can uh, you know, skip to any session that you feel uh, is more relevant to you. Of course, I would love you to watch the full episode and send me your feedback as usual. So for now, let's hear Daniel. So, hey, Daniel, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, Lulu. Thank you for having me. Where are you at the moment? Uh, I'm based in Dubai. So currently in hot Dubai. You're based in Dubai. So I'm really looking forward to this to this conversation because up until recently people couldn't even invest crypto in this region. They had to yep. do it, uh, you know, through international exchanges. But before we talk about uh, Facet, which is your uh, your startup, by the way, do you call it a crypto exchange or or is there another name for it? I mean, we call ourselves now we call ourselves a digital asset gateway. So we are the gateway for people to get into digital assets. So yes, there is an exchange component, but there's more things that we're working on that will allow you to 
uh, effectively get into the digital asset ecosystem. So, so bef- before we dig into that, can you can you just give us an overview of like the different types of cryptocurrencies and the sure. difference between them and also the asset back type uh, currencies? Sure. <clears throat> yeah. So we'll start with the uh, what we call the father of crypto or the godfather of crypto, which is Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Really, the movement for cryptocurrencies and all these thousands of cryptocurrencies that you see now come from and stem from this this original crypto, which was Bitcoin, which was founded by an anonymous either person or group of people that nobody knows uh, who they are, uh, called Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, and um, ever since then, there's been an explosion of, of different types of cryptocurrencies um, that have different use cases. Some have use cases, some don't have use cases. Some are meme tokens like Dogecoin that I'm sure you've heard about as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, some are asset backed, like we'll talk about later uh, as well. Bitcoin is that, that 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 father token of which hundreds and thousands of tokens, I would say, have come out that utilize the the Bitcoin blockchain or have copied the Bitcoin blockchain and create another type of blockchain. Because the issue with some of these blockchains are like Bitcoin is that sometimes there are certain things that are put in place, such as each block takes ten minutes to mine. Now that can take a long mm-hmm. time for a transaction to take place. Therefore, someone came up with something that's called Litecoin. Now, Litecoin is another big, big asset in the crypto space. And what they've done is they've shortened the length at which a transaction can take place. So instead of 10 minutes, maybe it's, you know, 60 seconds now. Um, and that's the Litecoin blockchain. Um, then you have Ethereum. Okay. Right? Ethereum is an interesting uh, uh, blockchain where you can now start to write smart contracts on that blockchain where you and I now can agree on certain parameters for a contract and effectively digitize it. And then our Ethereum can be used to transact. So now I'll, I'll speak a little bit about asset-backed cryptos. So, you know, these cryptos don't require third, third party, but then there are such things as asset-backed cryptocurrencies, which take a real-world asset and effectively digitize them. If you take something like, once again, let's take a property, and we now want people to be able to buy portions of that property. What you can do with something like crypto or Ethereum and the blockchain and smart contracts is, we can digitize small pieces of this of this property and give value to that token and people can start trading it. So if this property is worth $100,000, we can have 100 tokens worth $1,000 each and people can trade it. And obviously, based on the underlying asset, if the value of the asset goes up, the value of the token can go up, there's supply and demand. It just opens up a very interesting, let's say, ecosystem of where people can trade uh, real-world assets from anywhere in the world. So you, you mentioned the concept of fractional ownership, which I've been yeah. also reading a lot about in the in, yeah. in the context of real estate, for example. Sure. So this is what you mean by asset-backed crypto. Yeah. So it's okay, taking a so, real-world asset and just creating a smart contract that represents. Okay. And that. and the advantage, and the advantage of doing that is what for the for the individual, let's say, owner sure. of this uh, token. I'll just list some of them really quickly. One is that you can now allow for fractional ownership. In the traditional sense, I'm unable to buy 1% of an apartment in Burj Khalifa, right? It's, it's impossible for me to do that. But now you're able to buy that and you can hold that as an investment. And the interesting thing now is that you can also sell that within seconds, right? If I wanted to sell my real estate, it can, use, it can take weeks sometimes, right? But now you can buy and sell. It adds a lot of liquidity and, allows, uh, and adds a lot of um, ability for people to buy and sell. And the third okay. really big benefit is that you can do it from sort of cross borders in, in any jurisdiction 24 seven. 
Yeah. So going back to to that yeah. real estate example, right? Yeah. What about usage? Because every asset has a usage, whether it's a you know it's, it's a Tesla charger or, or sure. real estate. Uh, it's a good question. It's a good question. Look, there, there, there are different ways to think about this. So look, if you take a, an example of gold, right? Gold could be, a, and, and if I created a digital asset based off of gold, the way I could, uh, what could happen in that situation is that I can hold that gold in a vault and say, look, mm. each token represents one gram of gold. And that's yes, how I prove okay. it. Now, in the example of this real estate example, I mean, the usage can continue and that asset can still be traded, right? In the same way that... Um, you know, property sometimes is bought and sold by people, but people still stay and live in that in that property. Once again, it depends on what you're doing with this asset. You can do multiple things because of crypto, right? So one can be a uh, pure, let's say, security token, and that is a token like this real estate example. Another is that it can be a utility token. What does that mean? Right. What, so, what is a security token? Right. So, so there's two there's two separate uh, tokens there. One is a security token, which represents a an asset, and it's a security, right? By security, I mean an asset. So this could okay. be real estate, right? Then okay. there's something called a utility token. And the utility token gives the the right of that token holder to get some sort of utility out of it. So the, the tokenization okay. that we did with the Tesla charger gave 10 people the right to utilize with the token this uh, Tesla supercharger. Now, if you came online and you bought that token from someone else, now you get the utility to use that. But it's not a security mm-hmm. token, i.e. we haven't, broken that Tesla charger up into an asset and people own 10% of that Tesla charger. That's mm-hmm. not what's going on in our, in our scenario. Because well, it's not because an asset that appreciates maybe, right? Or that people would want to Yeah, so exactly. So like, it, it comes back to the, the, the question of what do you want to do with this asset, right? I mean, uh, we, could, we could have created a security token out of the Tesla supercharger. But like you said, there wouldn't be, it's not an appreciating asset. It's actually a depreciating asset. There's not really much value that comes from, from doing that. But there's more value that will come from the utility of, of this asset. Mm. Yeah. So you have like the bitcoins, the ethereums, the the litecoins uh, yeah. type of crypto, and then you have the asset-backed crypto, which is the example that you've described, where there is two ways to tokenize them. The first one being making them into a, a security like gold or a store yeah. of value, basically, yeah. right? That people yeah. can own either entirely or, or fractions of it yeah, and, and trade point. these. Yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> and the other one is a utility token whereby people can, whereby the issuer can issue multiple tokens and whoever holds this token can actually use, use the asset. Exactly. Exactly. Let's move a little bit to the region, right? So sure. you, you decided to start a, a a crypto exchange, just to use the, sure. the easy sort of uh, definition, called Facet. So, so why did you decide on this region? So look, um, I mean, the reason why we kicked off in the region, there were, there were a few reasons. I mean, one of them was because myself and my co-founder, Rafi, were working for the, the UAE Prime Minister's office here in Dubai. And our mandate covered technology for the UAE. So we were looking at all these different technologies that were taking place in the UAE. And one thing that we realized was really lacking in the UAE, and then when we did our research in the whole of the GCC, was the digital asset ecosystem and the, and the crypto ecosystem. It was booming in Europe. It was very mature in the US. But the GCC as a, you know, uh, let's say, cash-rich or, you know, pretty affluent region in the world was lacking this. And we saw a lot of people getting interested in crypto from our own circles of friends and, and other people that we knew. And unfortunately, when a technology is new, 
Right? There are a lot of scams. People were getting scammed. People didn't know what they were doing. So it really became our mission to try and create something for the region that can allow people to easily access, buy, sell, hold cryptocurrencies, and then also be educated in it, understand it, and you know, tell other people about it. And then obviously the underlying theme behind all of this was, can we create something that actually uh, can be attributed back to the real world? So that's where the asset-backed tokens come in. Um, and uh, we wanted to actually also tokenize these assets and offer these assets to, to people in the, in the region. So the only onshore regulator in the GCC, so the only regulator that has actually created legislation around this is Bahrain to date. The UAE has uh, announced draft legislation. They have offshore regulation in, in places like ADGM. Um, but that offshore regulation does not necessarily allow everybody in that country to actually utilize that platform uh, in, a, in a legal manner. So really the only jurisdiction in the GCC where you can legally get cryptocurrency and buy and sell it is from Bahrain. Um, now, your question okay. was a little bit about, you know, how is crypto being you know, used? Are people buying it? You know, numbers are, uh, and that stuff like that. To our knowledge, mm-hmm. um, from sort of market research, people we've spoken to and other interests that we've seen from people, we believe there are at least 100,000 people that are buying and selling cryptocurrencies from exchanges. And there's probably another 100, 200, 300,000 people that are buying it either pair to pair. So one thing that I can do is I can sell you crypto in person, like right, or even online, but I don't have to do it over an exchange. Um, it's more difficult to do it because you can transfer it over the blockchain. But it, it is being done. People are buying and selling. And then the third one, obviously, is people are u- utilizing international exchanges. The issue with using international exchanges is that you have to use credit cards, you have to use debit cards, and mm. it, it costs a lot of money. Sometimes it can cost up to 10% to buy that crypto. So you buy $1,000, you give $100 to in fees to Visa and Actually, I know, the exchanges. I know a lot of people using international exchanges because yeah. what, what they say is that you can't find <coughs> all the all the coins and the currencies uh, in local exchanges, so they go for international exchanges. Uh, yep. Fees is also another reason I've, I've yep. heard uh, for that. So yep. so I think, but but I feel that now with, you know, the introduction of new exchanges in the region, this, yep. this should be changing, correct? I mean, absolutely. <clears throat> so, I mean, even with ourselves, you know, what we, one thing, the way, what we did to entice customers is that we've removed trading fees from our platform. Um, so, uh, you know, what happens is usually in an exchange, uh, you have uh, a trading fee and you have something called a spread. Basically, a spread is the difference between how much you buy crypto for as an exchange and how much you sell it for. And mm-hmm. you, usually what happens is because we're in a very illiquid region when it comes to crypto, there's not a lot of crypto activity. We get crypto <clears throat> sent to, uh, we, we, we are able to source crypto at a, at a price that is usually a little bit higher than the global market price. And therefore, by the time it gets to the customer, the customer is paying a few percentage points above what the global price is. So that's, you know, and what happens usually with, with the local exchanges is that they take some money there and then they also take some exchange trade, trading fees as well. So we've tried to remove the trading fees just to make it more cheaper for, for customers to be able to buy and sell cryptocurrencies. At the end of the day, for us, our goal is not to make money just from the you know exchange, but rather the, uh, the tokenization and you know, bringing real assets onto the platform. That's where we will make you know, our, our money in the long term. What are the most traded currencies? Usually the biggest traded ones are Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, we do have, okay. you know, small pockets of people that are really interested in particular currencies. So we have a group of users that are really interested in Ripple. There's a number of users that are really interested in Litecoin. A lot of people are requesting Dogecoin, but we don't think it's uh, it's it's a... Uh, so it's, you don't have it on your platform? No, on we don't facet. have Dogecoin. We don't have that, no. 
Okay. <coughs> I don't think Dogecoin and are you... isn't isn't available <clears throat> sorry, on any platform in the region. Right now. Okay. Sorry. So <coughs> So you, as a platform, determine what you think is worthy of being listed on the platform? I mean, <clears throat> so it is it is up to the platform, but because we're regulated by the CBB, it's the, the central bank that allows us to um, to offer the... The central bank of Bahrain. Bahrain. Yeah. Okay, so they have to approve, basically, the cryptos that are listed on yes, your, uh, on your platform. Okay. Yeah. So just for comparison's sake, like how many how many coins would you find on Coinbase? Coinbase and Binance, the big ones, they would have like you know fifty hundreds. I mean, Coinbase I think probably okay. has fifty or so, or maybe less. But Binance has hundreds. Okay. Of, 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 uh, so you you spoke about liquidity and the and the exchanges here and in the region. What does that mean to the uh, to the customer? Does it mean? <clears throat> I can't sell, or does it mean I can't withdraw my money if I want, or what does Good that question. translate into? Um, so I don't think those problems exist because at the end of the day, you know, exchanges ensure that there are multiple levels of protection in the sense that if people want to sell massively, there's enough liquidity to be able to provide for that. So I don't think that, that those are the issues. What I mean is that because there's not a lot of crypto in the region, there's a lot of, not, not a lot of sellers or buyers in the region. I'm talking from bigger scales, not smaller scales, which means that when an exchange has to buy in bulk from, let's say, a bigger exchange to offer the crypto on their on their platform, they usually don't get the best, absolute best prices. That's what I'm trying to say. And therefore, there's there, there's a there's a level of liquidity, and therefore the prices that are offered then to customers end up being a little bit higher compared to the, okay. the global average. That's what I was thinking. So then the way it works for an exchange is that you have to forecast yeah. how much demand there's going to be and you buy yeah. it as an exchange? Yeah, yeah effectively. That's what, that's what a traditional exchange wow. does. Um, now, there are other exchanges, other types of exchanges, where you can sort of have arrangements with bigger exchanges that they can provide for you liquidity every time you need it. Right? So okay, and this is something customer, you have? That's something that we that we that we're doing. Yes. So I come to Facet. I buy whatever one Bitcoin, <laughs> sure. and and I pay. You know, I how how do you get paid by by bank transfer by credit card? Yeah. Or so right now it it's uh, right now it's bank transfer. So you would have to transfer okay. to our, our account, and then we would reflect okay. that in in your in your wallet. Uh, we are going okay. live with our credit cards and debit cards. Uh, as early as maybe next week. I think we're just doing final testing on that. So you should be able to even use your debit card to be able to top up. It should make it easier for you to do Okay. So. Because a bank transfer, you've <coughs> lost like two days probably. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that so, makes it... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I send you the money. You buy the... I mean, you have the Bitcoins, let's say, the yeah. Bitcoin. And then it gets transferred to my wallet. You keep the money. So the way it works is, uh, and then you, you send, pay your 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 other exchange basically. Right. So you send you send us the money, right? The money is reflected in your wallet. Now you have a thousand dollars in your wallet. When you click buy, and you want to buy a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, what happens is in the back end, is one of two things can happen. Either we have that in reserve, and we can just make that transaction happen in a second, um, and usually we hold a reserve because. Otherwise, we would have to, you know, take some time to make that transaction happen. The other is that in the background, we are constantly reviewing how many buy and sell orders are happening, and then, and then 
putting in those orders with those bigger exchanges to ensure that we have enough liquidity, basically. So okay. there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the background. And if I wanna if I wanna sell after a while, I get my cash from you, basically. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. You sell, money is reflected in your wallet. Let's say you sold it one okay. day later for twenty percent increase. You now have twelve hundred dollars in your account, and then you can withdraw that. What is what is the difference between Facet and what you're trying to build and the existing exchanges? What can differentiate the exchanges are two things in our opinion. One is the price at which people can buy, and where this is where Facet differs. Number two is the customer service and the the speed at which you can you know get your money, send it back. You know how the the back end of that exchange works so that you as a customer have a good experience. And then the third thing, and the way we define ourselves, not just from regional exchanges and local exchanges, but global exchanges, is our focus on tokenization as well, right? And taking real world assets and tokenizing them and offering them. So the Tesla charger, for example, was the first proof of concept that we did. But our goal is to take real world assets that are appreciating value or that have some sort of revenue stream that we can then offer to people as a uh, hedge okay. to traditional crypto or as another investment okay. opportunity that people can buy. So how- the, the Tesla charger, just quickly, how did that happen? How did you think about it or did they approach you or how did it work? Um, no, so I would love to say right now that Elon Musk approached us to do this, but that's not what happened. <laughs> I saw um, you have an open letter to Elon Musk on your website yeah, anyway. So we created a okay. letter for, for him to, to hopefully uh, hopefully look at as well. But no, um, and we believe that you know the future of investing will be focused on ESG and environmental focused first uh, products and, and, and companies. And while we were doing our research, we, we, we really thought about what would be the best asset to look into. And, uh, you know, we decided on Tesla uh, and then looked at the whole ecosystem of Tesla and then ended up figuring out that the Tesla supercharging network is something that we want to bring to Bahrain. So Bahrain doesn't currently have a, uh, first of all, Bahrain doesn't even have Teslas. There are a few Teslas that people have imported. Uh, Tesla is going to enter Bahrain at some point, I believe soon. But then the supercharging network also doesn't exist, right? So we wanted to spur that and uh, sort of um, create some inspiration for people to be able to do that. So uh, that was the reason for why we chose that asset um, or that that, uh, that real-world uh, you know, thing that we wanted to tokenize. And um, yeah, and then we made it happen, basically. So there are 10 people that have the right to use it, and you have to have a token, mm-hmm. basically, to, to, be able to, to be able to use it. That's Okay, so simple. this is something you want to offer as a platform, basically, to give the option for institutional clients to come to you uh, with their assets and you're able to mint these assets into tokens and then... So as if you remember earlier, we were discussing the security token and the utility token, right? Yes. So the goal we want to get to is for an institution to come to us and say that I have this real estate or I have this, you know, solar farm or I have this Mm -hmm. hydroelectric farm and I want to tokenize Mm -hmm. some of it and I want to be able to make some money from that. But then I want to be able to give that to you to tokenize. So once we tokenize that, and you as Lulu own 1% of this solar park in Dubai, whenever that solar park generates revenue, our goal is that you should be able to get some of that revenue as well. Mm-hmm. Right? So then it becomes an asset that you're holding that is giving you dividends every day, every week, every month. And it okay. is a source of wealth creation for you. And at the same time, yeah. it's helping the planet. So that's the goal. Nice. So, so you're very much interested as a platform in sustainable projects. Yeah. Um, I mean, that the through the messaging on your platform, that was that was fairly yeah. clear. Yeah. Let's uh, just switch gears a little bit and and sure. talk briefly about what's been happening in the in the in the crypto markets recently yeah. and uh, and the dip that's happened and you know is it is it really Elon Musk that's crashing markets or 
or is it something fundamental or is it the speculation? What do you think is happening? That's a good question. Look, um, crypto, let me, let me start by saying that crypto is extremely volatile as everybody knows, right? There is a, a huge amount of money that is speculative in crypto right now. Okay, a lot of people are holding long term. A lot of people believe in the technology, but then there are a lot of people that are trying to just make money. And what happens then is that people use a lot of leverage, right? And when the market starts to go down, people have to deleverage, people sell, and then it sort of creates a big thing. And usually what happens is that it, it takes one or two sort of triggers to make that happen. So what happened in the past week was Musk obviously tweeted that they would not be accepting Bitcoin payments for, um, uh, for Tesla. At the same time, China spoke about banning cryptocurrencies, especially Bitcoin, for transactions. They didn't say anything mm-hmm. about people buying it as a store of value, but rather mm-hmm. for people to buy and sell and then trade because they're worried about mm-hmm. the, the sovereignty of the, of the yuan. And then thirdly, you had uh, the IRS in, in, in the USA speaking about uh, taxing heavily on crypto gains. So a lot of these different stories came out at the same time, which led to a bit of a sell-off. And then, you know, like I said, people started selling more and more. And then all of a sudden there was a significant crash. The one thing I do want, do want to highlight, though, is that, you know, that crash does not necessarily mean that there's a fundamental issue with crypto or fundamental issue with Bitcoin. I myself, myself and a lot of people, you know, and our team and a lot of people in crypto believe in the long term value of, 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 of crypto and Bitcoin. I mean, a lot of people are still saying that Bitcoin will hit 100K, $150,000 by the end of this year as more institutions come in. At the end of the day, the, the amazing thing about Bitcoin, and I don't know if, you, if, you, if you're aware about this, Lulu, is that Bitcoin, um, there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin in existence, right? Mm-hmm. So Bitcoin yes, is I a, read that recently. So Bitcoin is a, by definition and by its reason of existence, as you were saying, is that it will only ever have 21 million Bitcoin. Now, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. That means that it's, it's, extreme, it's a finite asset. And if demand goes up for a finite asset, the price has to increase, right? There is no other way that, that uh, anything else can happen. So, um, you know, when, when, when your question is, is it a fundamental issue? I don't think so. But these things happen in cycles. So how do you then protect yourself as a, as a business, as a crypto exchange, if you go through? I mean, <clears throat> there isn't the a thing, lot of volumes to start off with, about, right? The good thing about crypto, yeah, that's true. But the good thing about crypto is that whether, or, or an exchange rather, is that whether there's buying or selling, uh, I mean, whether the price goes up or down, sorry, there will be buying and selling, right? People will buy, people will sell. Now it's got to a point where we're very confident that even if the price goes down and even if things, you know, even if there's like a lull period, people will still buy and sell, uh, right? And maybe they won't buy and sell as much, but, you know, it will continue. There will always be activity. Um, it's interesting. You and know, do you crypto- feel... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, please. Oh, it's, it's very interesting that crypto community, especially when it comes to Bitcoin, there's this thing called... Uh, hodling, right, or holding mm-hmm. Bitcoin, and and what that really means is that people are so um, in so much belief about the, the 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 technology and the asset that they're willing to just you know not sell and hold over a long period of time. And there's not there are not many assets like that that, that you think of where people are believing it. Maybe real estate and gold, and uh, and uh, therefore there's a lot of pressure on the amount of supply. And what I mean by that is that there is not a lot of supply in the market. The IPO of Coinbase also probably cemented, you know, this Absolutely. industry. It, it cements it cements crypto. I mean, think of, you can think about it yourself, right? Like an IPO of a crypto exchange, nobody could have imagined mm. that maybe even four yeah. years ago, five years ago. But yeah. in in the US 
and you know even and even if you look at the numbers of Coinbase, they're bringing in billions of dollars of, of revenue um, at a point where a lot of companies IPO with like hundreds of millions of, of dollars of revenue. So they're a very established business, and uh, you know we think that there's there there will, there will be more IPOs like that in the next two three years for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you see governments getting into uh, into the, the the digital currency world? I mean, I know that China has announced uh, a coin. Yeah. Right. That, that announcement happened in April. Yeah. So, do you see regional yeah. governments, especially because they're you know we have a minister of AI here in the UAE. Yeah. Um, yeah, we know the minister of AI very well. We used to we used to work for him. Let me start more globally. CBDCs. I don't know the exact number. But if you Google it right now, I would hazard to say that there's at least 30, if not 40 countries that are exploring central bank digital currencies right now. There are some that are very advanced. China has already launched it in some places for some people, and people have actually used it to trade uh, as a proof of concept uh, uh, right now. But in terms of the region, I we have spoken to some uh, influential people in Bahrain, in the UAE, who are in government, who are in central banks, who have uh, discussed the desire to launch the launch central bank currency as well. And, you know, in the same way that cash became effectively obsolete with credit cards and debit cards, and then Apple Pay now is going to make, you know, and, and Google Pay and all these other payment systems are effectively making obsolete uh, credit cards and debit cards. There will come a time when CBDCs come as well and overtake this, for sure. We're, we're, I'm very confident about that. And that would be backed by what, in your in your view? I mean, that would be backed by the government, right? As with any currency, it's backed by the government. There okay. is nothing backed. So not it. backed by gold or, no, or anything like no. that. Uh, for CBDCs, I, yeah, no, it won't be. It won't. Okay. It's just fiat currency. And do you do you, do you feel this system. would be a safer buy for for people, or would you still, let's say, as a as a portfolio, would you still hold, you know, other cryptos and government cryptos? For me, for me, government crypto. You know, for me, saying government crypto is like a, uh, let's say a. Um, it's giving too much credit to governments, right? It's not. It's not really crypto. It's just taking fiat money and making it digital. That's what's happening okay. in the in, in the CBDC okay. sphere, right? So you're not you're not going to see your 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 AED that is uh, digital go up in value, right? Like it's not an asset. It is just a means of uh, okay. transaction and payment. So yeah, for me, it's like holding. And would cash. they yeah. would they be recorded on the on the blockchain as well? These yeah. these digital so, currencies, like so these di- yeah, so these digital currencies would be. Ho- would be recorded on on a centralized blockchain, right? So a blockchain ah, managed by right. the government. But but uh, one thing it does any... do, that just really quickly I would say is that it does bring more credibility to, to digital assets and cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. right? When when mm-hmm. governments are actively looking at launching similar products themselves, it gives a lot of confidence to to the crypto community and people who want to invest in the space. But sorry, yeah. uh, yeah. you, you're about to say something. So what's your advice to me? Because you know I'm very curious about a space. So yeah. What would you say to people like me who want to do something but not sure where to sure. start, uh, for example, yeah. in terms of which currencies to buy and, Look, and, and, and I, so on? Any advice? You know, yeah, for sure. Look, I, I, it's easy to say this, but I would say that we live in an age now where it's, there's so much information that there is no reason for, for us not to be able to YouTube this, Google this, research this. So look, even yourself, you in this in this podcast, was speaking about Bitcoin with me and effectively you understand it as well. It's just doing, uh, you know, research is the big one, I think. Everyone needs to research it, understand it. For me, 
you know, my advice is always really understand the, the, the original cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin and Ethereum are the sort of, let's say, um, fundamental cryptos. Understand how they work and first invest in those. Don't think about Dogecoins going up 500,000%. I just want to make quick money, <laughs> right? People can do that. You could do that, but you will also lose money. My, my, yeah. my thing is if you really are interested in it, learn about it, speak to people about it and then put money into it. Don't invest in anything mm. you don't understand, right? It doesn't make any sense. Do you, can you foresee any scenario where where cryptos won't live for the next whatever in the next five ten years? Like, that's do a, you see a scenario where? It's a great question. A great question. For me, the more I am in this space, the more I read about it, the more I speak to people about it, the more I see activity every single day that is showing more and more people getting into it. The less and less I think that there's ever going to be a scenario like this. Uh, I believe this is going to be the future for sure. So that it will not crash. It will not go away. But I mean, do you, do you see a scenario where maybe it's not Bitcoin or Ether, but it's something else that is also digital or, or you believe in, in the blockchain technology and, and the current well. currencies? Yeah. Um, okay, so there's, there's two schools of thought. One is exactly as you're saying that they could, it, could be die, it could die down and there could be other currencies or it could be CBDCs, etc., um, but I think because of the way the blockchain ecosystem is developed and what that technology is, is that nobody can really shut it down. Too big to fail. I think. I think we need some kind of like inflection point where where retailers start, you know, accepting Bitcoin because today, even if you want to own it, the only thing you can do with it is either hold, yeah. uh, or or just or trade. trade. Yeah. So you can't yeah, so, really, I mean, the utility of it, right, is yeah, you can't really buy but, but, stuff with but, it. But Lulu, my, my um, rebuttal to that would be you don't use gold right right now to tra- to buy your groceries, right? So for me, mm. at least Bitcoin is a pure store of value until it gets to a point, maybe five, ten years down the line, where there are no, like, you know, 10% increases in price a day or 5% decreases a day. There'll come a time, my belief, that it'll become a stable asset. And when it becomes a stable asset, then you can start using mm. it for, 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 for transactions. Before we started, you said that, you know, you were worried that maybe you missed a boat in crypto. Crypto, is a, there's a long way to go. We're at very early stages, I think. So uh, there's a lot, you know, okay. retailers, customers, governments. I mean, just this year, Tesla announced that they're going to buy Bitcoin and put it on, the, put it on their mm. uh, balance sheet, right? If you see yeah. Facebook, Apple, Amazon or government do that, I mean... The amount of legitimacy that comes and what's going to happen after that will be interesting to see. So, so is there a, are there any accounts that you personally follow for uh, crypto insights? I, I follow a lot, but I would I would um, I'll, I'll send this to you as well. There's a guy called Balaji. His name is B A L A J I. I don't know if you've come across him. He used to be the CTO of Coinbase, yes. and uh, he speaks a lot about crypto, but he also speaks about the other applications of cryptocurrencies. So, utilizing that in a in a new state or a new city, how blockchain can work and different use cases for healthcare, etc. So that person would allow you to understand a lot about crypto generally and, and the, the use cases of crypto. So I think you, that is one person I would follow for sure. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Any any book maybe or podcast uh, yeah. on the topic? Um, once again, loads of podcasts exist, but one book that I read just recently is something called Kings of Crypto. It is the effectively the story of how Coinbase went from starting up to IPO and you really understand the insides of okay, the company excellent. 
uh, of how how uh, you know how they survived all the crypto winters, and uh, it's a it's a fascinating book about uh, about crypto in in a, in a more practical way as well. So I would I would recommend that. Okay. Sure. So I had I had a question about like you know specific tips for people let's say in the region that are looking to invest, but I yeah. I believe we we covered some I of those. We, but yeah, I think we covered that. But really, it, it comes down to one thing, which is you've got to know what you're doing. So you have to research. You don't like I wouldn't. I wouldn't get excited by the hype and then lose money. Like that, that, that is the good thing to do. So, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Daniel, so much for uh, for taking the time and uh, and pleasure. really looking forward to see what you're going to be doing. Sure. I love the idea of the asset backed tokens. I I can really see the the applications of this. It could be. Uh, it could be phenomenal, maybe on an institutional, but even on an individual level, actually. So yeah. I, I feel that there's a lot in this space already. And um, good luck in everything. And thank you. we will talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having us as well. Thank you for having us. Thank All you. right. Take care. Thank Bye. you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 20 of Conversations with Lulu. I really hope that you found it informative. I think these are extremely exciting times and cryptocurrencies, um, the blockchain and the technology that is evolving is pretty much like the evolution of the internet. And um, we're definitely going to be seeing a lot of applications to this technology and it's going to be very exciting. I specifically love the concept of fractional ownership that me and Daniel discussed in the episode. Um, how it has the opportunity to democratize access to everybody. Again, think about the real estate example. It's extremely difficult and expensive for someone to be able to buy an apartment. Um, But through tokenization, you might be able to buy a token that represents a fractional ownership in this this apartment. Uh, And therefore, you can use it as uh, a method of investment. You can potentially earn... uh, um, dividends or earn even rental income or see this uh, this token appreciate in value and uh, sell it at a later point in a very liquid market. So there's definitely a lot of opportunities and a lot of potential. As usual, you can leave your comments uh, on all my social media platforms, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Luluchazen. Please visit my website, conversationswithlulu.com. There's a lot of, uh, all of the previous episodes are on there. Uh, And I've also started writing recently. So there is one blog post and and hopefully uh, more as uh, as this year uh, continues. So for now, I want to wish you a great day and see you again in two weeks. Take care. Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today.